Welcome to the Schools and Academies Show podcast. Don't forget to register for your free place at our upcoming show on www.schoolsandacademiesshow.co.uk. Welcome back to the third episode of the second season of the Schools and Academies Show podcast. We hope you're enjoying the season so far and we'd love to hear from you, the listener, about what subjects you want to know more of, what challenges you might be facing or what questions we might be able to help crowdsource through the community and through the network of speakers and partners we have. So don't be afraid to get in touch by heading over to our website www.schoolsandacademyshow.co.uk Now, before we get on to the episode, I wanted to let you know about two fantastic webinars which we're excited to be hosting on the 10th and the 11th of March. First up, on the 10th of March, we're looking forward to hearing from our very own Alessandra Bellotta from the Schools and Academy Show team, who will be joined by Ian Romeo-Smith, who's Product Manager at Education Software Solutions, Malcolm Trobe, Consultant and former Deputy General Secretary of ASCOL, and Stephen Morales, Chief Executive at ISBL, who instantly will be hearing from in this episode. Stephen and co will be speaking about statutory financial compliance in academies and multi-academy trusts. So do head over to our website to register for free for that webinar. Again, that's on the 10th of March at 11am. Second webinar is taking place the very next day at two o'clock in the afternoon. For this discussion, we're digging into literacy and its place in the new normal. And we're delighted to be partnered with Reading Cloud for this. We're looking forward to a host of experts joining us, including Christine Lockwood from the UK Literacy Association, Adam Lancaster, who's Senior Librarian, Head of Literacy and Designated Safeguarding Lead at Monks Walk School. We also have Dawn Wood, who is Member Development Librarian at the School Library Association, and Trisha Adams, who's co-founder of All Around Reading. Again, you can register for both webinars for free by heading over to our website. Now, to get to the meat of the episode, this week we are sounding the horn for the school business leader. An evolving and oftentimes underserved role in reference to dedicated learning and best practice, business leaders have often been an unshaking force for operational continuity during the pandemic. And with the return to schools, though we know many of you have had many pupils back for a while now, in addition to the new funding and operational pressures, not to mention the new funding allocations announced very recently in the latest budget, SBLs have a great deal of work ahead of them. We're looking forward to so many different talks, discussions and interviews at the upcoming show next month. However, we can't wait until then. And there was so much great content from November's show, which is still so relevant to the ongoing conversation. One such exchange between leaders in this space immediately comes to mind when considering the impact and the future of the SBL role. And that is the fireside between Stephen Rallis and Dr. Stephen Rayner. Now, Dr. Rayner is the Director of Teaching and Learning at Manchester Institute of Education, and he kicked off the discussion with Morales on the origins and evolutions of the SBL, as well as what the research is telling us about the current standing of this essential assortment of different roles and professions. Now, we pick up on their conversation with Dr. Rayner asking Morales to share his view on those with SBL backgrounds progressing to a trust leadership role without a teaching qualification. Yeah, so, I mean, I think there are are a couple of things there. Um, um so i think you can develop as a, as a school leader and many have uh particularly through the legacy programs that the national college offered and they'll get you they'll get you so far and 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 they you know they they remain very valuable and 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 the, the content has has changed uh um 
the the content the curriculum has changed over the last few years uh, and we were we were we were very keen to make sure that it was fit for purpose for a new for a new world nevertheless the legacy programs still have their ha have their place um but they only get you to a certain point and um my concern is um so i'm not i'm not so worried if i'm honest i'm not so worried about school business leaders that haven't had um deep access to um to pedagogical leadership development i think it's important for school business leaders to understand the context to engage with uh, pupil for performance data and to understand the, the the challenges that a particular context might 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 present um so if there are high levels of deprivation high levels of sem those kind of things it's really important that you understand that because there are um the, the strategic decisions will be based on serving that community most effectively that aside i i don't subscribe to the idea that you've got to do um mpq or certainly mpqh uh, to be a senior leader but i do think that you've probably got if you're going to operate at a very senior level that you've probably got to go beyond a, a, an mvq level four or level five qualification because you need that depth of knowledge you need um strategic leadership um knowledge and experience you need to equip yourself with um the emotional resilience the emotional intelligence to lead to lead others um and that does that doesn't happen by accident so i'm a real advocate for school business leaders committing to a continuous professional development journey um that uh, might start with a level four qualification and might end up with a with an mba or might indeed um end up uh, at, at level five but i i i i think it's probably unrealistic to expect to be an executive leader if you're not prepared to commit to the to the professional development journey um i'm i'm not so convinced that that nest that professional development journey necessarily needs to lean um as heavily into pedagogy as those that are on a journey from middle leader to assistant head head teacher and so forth interestingly i, I talk about something called leadership convergence where uh, particularly in um, in trusts, where you're, you've got a helicopter view ac across a group of schools, so you, and and you will have pedagogical leaders moving into those executive teams, and you'll have business leaders moving into those executive teams. The almost the higher up you go throughout the organisation, the more you lean in, into each other, and the more you should lean into it to it to it to each other. And there needs to be greater cross fertilisation of knowledge, in my opinion. So aspiring aspiring CEOs. Who come from pedag from a pedagogical background need to be leaning into uh, school business leader or school business business leadership content, finance, procurement, HR, and school business leaders aspiring to be chief executives likewise need to lean heavily into pupil outcomes, your your you know understanding your demographic, understanding uh, population trends, understanding the interventions that might need to take place. Um, so I hope that answers the question, but, mm. but in, in quite a long-winded way. But yeah, yeah, I, I think that the whole area of development is interesting, and just just thinking of of, of what Joe wrote about um, within the the teaching profession specifically, there is, as Joe put it, career progression through job titles, and and there are some pretty standard job titles within within teaching and within. Um, school business leadership 
not only are there no job titles, no specific ones, there's a range of job titles, but not only that, I guess the two people could meet at a conference and one could say, what are you? I'm the school business manager. What are you? I'm a school business manager as well. And actually their route into that post, their current salary even, if I dare mention it, their status within the organisation could differ huge. Just because your label says school business manager, it can mean a, you know, clearly different things for different people. Have I got that right? Yeah, no, and I'd go further than that. So, so, so I, I could point to I could point to uh, five practitioners. One's called a school business manager. One's called a school business director. One's a deputy CEO. One's a vice principal. Uh, one's a chief operating officer. One's a chief finance officer. They actually all do the same job. Do the same job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. same yeah. job. So, I mean, you know. Uh, maybe maybe overstating it but but broadly they do the, they do the same job and actually um none of those titles are necessarily a proxy for the salary that they earn so yeah. i know some, some very well paid school business managers with a very very significant uh portfolio portfolio of responsibility and high levels of accountability likewise i know some people that uh you know are, are called uh um for the purposes of the academy financial handbook chief finance officers mm. and are paid little more than an administrator so it's you know it, you're right it's it, it's it's a very um it's a very confusing debate yeah R really interested you, you right at the start you mentioned the changing school structures in england and and different organizational models of schools in england so i was thinking of the example of the person I won't come up with a job title yet. The person who is in charge of managing, say, the support staff and the services, the professional services and the finances in, let's say, a, um, a, a smallish academy trust that's got six or seven primary schools in it. Uh -huh. uh, so they are responsible across those schools and I'm sure that's a you know it, it, it's a, a post and a type of person you'd be more familiar with than I would but I'm thinking of the person who is doing that role let's let's say they're called the trust business manager or, or, or whatever it is but thinking of the sort of person who would be able to do that job well could have completely different routes into that post they could have been the if you like this, the, the, the head teacher's PA or secretary of one of the schools who's just got ended up in that role, deliberately well-trained or reluctantly. They could be someone with no teaching background who's come in to manage that. They could have been headhunted from the local authority. There's a lot of that that's gone on, getting the best finance people from local authorities to work in trusts. Um, how do you begin to address their professional development needs, I wonder? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's, really good, it's a really good question. Uh, we would point uh, we would point the sector to our professional standards and, and encourage yeah. them to engage in the in the four tiers across the uh, the five disciplines and then supporting uh, leading support services. So that that would be uh, that would be our our recommendation. Um, and, and I think many the majority of school business leaders are now engaging in that document. Um, I think there's a bit of work to be done to get head teachers, governors and trustees to recognise the value of, of, of that document as a as a reference point. I think there is there is another kind of dimension to, to, to all of this. Um, um, in a deregulated environment, and this is one of the, 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 the downfalls of a deregulated environment, um, 
it's it's with it you know it's very much within the gift of the of the uh, the principal chief executive or the chair of governors all three indeed to decide what they want from the school business leader and sometimes what they want from the school business leader is not what they need um that they, they sometimes um uh, they, they don't necessarily they don't coincide and what i mean by that is if you've got um you've got a very assertive highly qualified school business leader that's looking very closely at um, the resources that are available and looking at the school improvement plan, looking at the curriculum ambition, um, looking at sustainability, that individual could be quite challenging in, 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 in a conversation around whether or not a particular approach is sustainable. And I, I suspect that it's convenient in some cases not to have such an assertive individual in, in place. Um, and, and I can understand you know, for, for, for good, for, for, for good reason. I mean, I think the spirit of the spirit of, of, uh, trying to do the best for the children that you're serving, I mean, who would argue with that? Um, but there is a, there is an argument to say, you know, you, 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 you if you only look one year ahead, you, you could, you could find yourself in a very difficult position in year two and year three, which will not serve the community well. So it's about that. Mm that longer term view it's about risk management it's about it's about resource allocation and of course look i mean everybody wants more money in the education system and, and, and we continue to lobby hard for more money into the education system um but we also have got to deal with the here and now um so we you know there's a funding envelope we get an allocation how do we do the best with that allocation that we can how do we optimize the resources available to us um and uh, and that's that's a conversation that not everybody's prepared to have um, yes i i'm i'm really glad you mentioned school governance uh, you mentioned the chair of governors there because uh, that that whole area of, of governance i think particularly interests me in to the role of the the school business leader um and and the reason i raise this is that looking at the contributions for our um, special issue there's there's a there's there's a quite a lot of concern expressed for example in 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 your own opinion piece in my interview with matthew clements wheeler in joe marchant's and and, and liz wood's um, articles as well concern about what's most strongly expressed by joe as entrenched cultural by um, against all of school business leadership now Thinking back at my experiences as a school governor, I've been a governor in local authority schools, academies, I've had various roles, teacher, staff governor, you know, academy trust nominee, nominee and so on. I have never known in all of that time and in all of those different situations, I have known, never known any sign of any disrespect for the work that is being done by the school business leaders under whatever title their, their their contributions have always been regarded not not just respected but regarded as absolutely essential to the role of governance i'm tempted to say whatever the teachers thought of it you know because it, it has been a distinctive contribution to do we as governors cannot make our decisions unless we know about the financial implications um about the implications for staff for for support staff as well as teaching staff uh, for the learning environment for health and safety and so on so i i've, I've seen none of that entrenched cultural bias as part of the governance pro process. I just wonder whether it's possible to overstate that or whether that really is a thing. 
No, no, th- no. I, th- I think that, I think that's fair. So I would concur with with your with your uh, your opinion. And 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 in my career, um, and certainly working as an academy ambassador and as a trustee of a primary school, um, and my involvement as a practitioner with with uh, boards of governors and subcommittees, I, I've never received anything other than uh, you know absolute professional respect and and, and, a, and a deep interest in. In, in what I'm what I'm saying, uh, likewise, uh, trustee colleagues are very interested in what the finance lead has to say because you know it's so important to the to the welfare of the school. I think I, I think that 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 cultural bias, uh, if it exists, is uh, probably fairly low level. Um, mm. I think it's yeah. it's more about what happens outside of the boardroom than it than in the boardroom. So yeah. it's the, the Yes. It's the conversation that take place before the meeting takes place, if you like, it's the it's the uh, positioning that takes place uh, within the SLT in advance of any board meeting. Um, so, it, you know, using the example that I that I gave earlier, if uh, faculty heads, the head teacher, the deputy head, have uh, a real ambition to deliver a a particular type of curriculum, and there isn't money to do so, the last thing they want is is the school business leader saying governing body trustees there are, it. <laughs> or there are heavy risks associated with trying to deliver this um or, or creating some kind of dashboard that's got red and amber flashing everywhere um if if we go down that route so in some instances it's it's about if you like um and this is you know this isn't unique to schools i mean this this would happen in the boardroom in the commercial world as well a bit of a, a manipulating of, of of the position in advance of the meeting but in some cases um, that's that's where I was referring to this this concern about how how assertive and how technically strong do you want your school business leader if they're going to present those challenges to governing bodies? So it, it, it's it, that's 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 the issue because because it, I mean I mean and, and and this is where it becomes really important to not lose focus and 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 the focus always has to be pupil outcomes the welfare of the learning community and so forth but if you ask a school business leader to identify savings to make the budget balance they'll do it and they can do it Um, but 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 the cost of doing so might mean you know it may it may may mean a a a a subject which isn't profitable you know inverted commas uh, so we'll cut it out of the curriculum so that the budget balance just because you know the when when children decide on their on their options it's not a particularly um popular subject it's not not that it's not an important subject it's not a popular one uh, so it you know the, the numbers don't stack up um so it's it's really important that's why you know the integrated approach the joined up leadership approach is so important where you're having the conversation about resources that are available curriculum ambition and I think there needs to be some some red lines in terms of that curriculum ambition. I think you know pedagogical leaders need to be very firm on that. And then there needs to be a risk risk assessment of that, you know, whether or not it's 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 affordable and sustainable. And then I think it is the the, the role of governing bodies and trustees to almost mediate, facilitate that conversation between those looking at resources and those wanting to deliver on finance um and and you know if, if you can bring everybody to the table and have a very grown-up conversation and understand where the tensions are and prioritize accordingly i think you've got half a chance 
Now, if you enjoyed that conversation, we will be able to share the full episode with you on the website in the coming days. So do keep an eye out for that. If you subscribe to our updates, you get first dibs. And for those who are not yet signed up, do head over to the very same website, www.schoolsandacademyshow.co.uk to subscribe. In addition to our webinars and podcasts, we also keep you up to date with what's going on with the show. Updates such as the addition of a keynote address on the morning of the 30th of April by Interim Chief Regulator of Ofqual, Simon Labus, or other programme highlights such as the discussion on defining lost learning with Fraser Westmoreland, head teacher at Mandela Primary School in Kent, and Sir Ian Hall, who's the CEO at the Great Schools Trust. There are so, so many more new speakers and sessions on the website, so please do head over. And of course, we're always looking to tell more practitioner stories, so if you fancy yourself a speaker, it's never been easier with virtual events. Get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. That's the end of the episode, so until next time, keep safe, and we'll see you soon. Don't forget to register for your free place at our upcoming show on www.schoolsandacademiesshow.co.uk.